is art even essential in terms of essential workers, essential people? Welcome to Nice Work, a podcast of the Super Nice Club. Our mission is simple. It's to make the world 10% nicer. I'm your host, Todd Brilliant, and today, today we're going to be talking with my dear friend, Anne Faith Nichols. Anne is an American contemporary artist recognized for her neo-surrealistic paintings. Her work has been featured and exhibited in museums, collections, galleries, uh, publications, and art fairs all around the world. She's contributed to a variety of high-profile commercial projects with renowned collaborators. Anne explores the subconscious, and her works are layered with mysterious, symbolic narratives on, on the human condition, and she combines her classical training with ingenuity, design, and craftsmanship to create art in a variety of mediums with her unique perspective ever-present. Basically, Anne is a badass painter-artist, and she's kind of a big deal, and she's got a lot to say in this conversation about the state of contemporary art and what it takes to make it in the brutal, brutal art world. She's absolutely married her passion to her career, and that hasn't always been easy. So listen in and listen up. Here's nice work. And Faith Nichols, welcome to the show. Hey. How's it going in the glorious desert of Palm Springs, California? You know, it's not a bad place to be right now. It's pretty nice. The birds are chirping. The sky is blue. I'm healthy. I got some food in the fridge, so it's not bad. Palm Springs is a beautiful place. Uh, it's where my my family originally grew up. You knew that, though. You've been there how long before you moved out there? Was it been five years now? Yeah, we've been here for five years since we moved from Venice, California, Venice Beach. And speaking of your house that you grew up in, we just went by it and they have completely made it a modern home. Like they preserved that beautiful A-frame roof and made it completely modernist and it looks amazing. They're working on it right now. Oh, that's good to know. We'll check it out um, when I come out and visit next which will probably be after the virus is over. After the world has ended, yes. So before you were in LA, and in LA you had a gallery called Curio in Venice. The good, the good which days. Which was a gallery. Thank Any you. thought ever of doing the gallery thing again? Oh, it was awesome. Absolutely. I always want to do that again. And I think that I'll continue to do it in a different capacity, be it um, pop-ups or the, the fairs even, but I would totally love to eventually open a new storefront location. I mean, I'm glad I don't have that right now. Right. <laughs> but, would, you, um, would you do it in Springs or would you come back to LA? Oh my God. I'd love to go to a different country. Um, probably if I got off the, out of California with it, I would just go to a different country with it. I wouldn't try to do New York or Brooklyn. Right. Um, Maybe I would do a pop-up there for sure, or a fair or an event. But So speaking of other countries, you recently celebrated a pretty big wedding anniversary. Yay, 10 years. 10 years. I sure. Oh, I can't even believe it. And weren't Crazy. you guys technically married in Paris? We were married in Paris, and you know this because you were there, and you took pictures. 
Yes, we were married in the Jardin du Luxembourg at the Medici Fountain. Congratulations again. And it's really neat to be doing this with you 10 years later. So backing up all the way, you grew up in the Northwest, Pacific Northwest and British Columbia. I did. Um, you were born in British Columbia, is that right? Victoria, BC, yes. Victoria, yeah. Um, do you ever miss the, the Northwest? Totally. Yeah, especially in the summertime. Oh my gosh, the beauty. I mean, it is so beautiful there. The rivers, the skiing, the water, beaches. Yes. And especially right now, I mean, I just talked to my cousin and the kind of support that they're getting from their governments um, versus what we're getting here. It's just crazy, but totally miss BC. I miss the Northwest and I never lived there really. Well, a little bit in Portland, but I always thought that Seattle is where I would end up. It didn't happen, but it's such a beautiful part of the world. Do you think that one when you look through it over the years, how much of that, that upbringing influenced your work and your painting? Oh, so much. I mean, from a very, I mean, my parent, both of my parents, my father and my mother were always really into culture, museums, art, um, even native art that my dad exposed me to a lot in BC and the great museums there. And then my mother always took me to museums and tried to take me out of the country to see different things as much as she could mm -hmm. um, for being a single mom. But definitely that dark, dreary landscape, you know, the Gus Van Sant movie kind of atmosphere, it's definitely a huge um, inspiration on my aesthetic. And a lot of water. A lot, a lot of water, a lot of forests, a lot of emo, a lot of goth, a lot of hiking boots, a lot of flannel, a lot of dogs, a lot of Subarus, you know. I haven't seen the Subarus in your paintings yet. Pretty much the rest <laughs> of it, but not the Subarus. <laughs> the Subaru series? <laughs> no, I am not working on the Subaru series, oh. surprisingly enough. But I am working on a real goth little series right now that's kind of taking me it's funny that you mentioned this because it's kind of taking me back to my roots like very dark oily kind of landscapes and foreboding clouds and you know being here in the desert having gone through one like we've only been through one full summer here in the desert and it was like the surface of the sun so <laughs> it really makes me miss you know little cooler climates so your your new series that you're working on right now, what is that for? Is that a sort of a speculative series? Do you have somebody that you're painting it for, gallery? Um, I mean, I'm always painting, but uh, just when the pandemic went in, like we got a mandatory stay-at-home order with the COVID-19 mm -hmm. pandemic and nothing new to me. <laughs> you know, I'm home a lot painting. I work from home you know, other than the fact that we can't travel and I've always had so much wanderlust, I kind of got really like depressed about it at first. And so I started, you know, thinking about a series of paintings that I wanted to do. And lately I've really been into monochromatic, just gray, plaster, black, just very subdued color tones. So I did this little series, just my response to, uh, the feeling of isolation and what it meant to be an artist or is art even essential in terms of essential workers, essential people, and just seeing all of my friends lose their jobs 
you know, not get to do their show that they'd been working on for months. So it was just really kind of shocking and depressing to me. So I did a little series of paintings that, um, kind of reflected that. And I actually entered them into a grant contest with the California desert of the arts council, California <laughs> desert arts council and the La Quinta arts foundation, um, for pandemic themed paintings. And they just told me today that they're going to be publishing them. So that's fantastic. Oh, really? hey, and, congratulations. and it's so awesome that there's local organizations out there right now that are trying to support artists in ways like that. And their artist responses to these problems that we're facing because a lot of people don't know how to process things. And sometimes art, you know, as inessential as it may seem is really helpful. Absolutely. And you're somewhere, the, the Palm Springs community has a pretty good history of having some really interesting artists living out there, architects, mm -hmm. uh, architecture, it's a, it's a for beautiful sure. visual community. If you're listening to this and you want to get an idea of, of what Anne is talking about, just go ahead if you're near your computer and type in her website, annefaithnicholsart.com. It's Anne with two N's. Typically, that's the way it's spelled, Faith Nichols with two L's. So annefaithnicholsart.com. Check it out. Scroll around. You get to see what Anne looks like. You get to see what her work is like. And it's just a good idea to, to do that while we're talking. Okay. So, all right. So back to Palm Springs, you recently did, I haven't seen it in person, but I've seen photos of it. Quite a great mural. I mean, what, what are the details on that mural? What's oh, it yeah. Yeah, it's called Transplant, and it's dedicated to everybody from somewhere else. And what it's a huge... Transplant is where? And how big is it? It's at the Palm Springs Cultural Center, which is formerly the Camelot Theater, and it's uh, 30 feet tall. So it's really big and you can't miss it. It's right there. Go check it out when you're in town. Take a picture. So can you describe every element element of it, you know, just using your voice? Like every single detail? How long? <laughs> it's just a bunch of robots and laser no. beams. <laughs> it's cats and rainbows. No. <laughs> it's well, it's a, a cactus that's been transplanted from one place to the other over oceans, over terrain. And uh, from the cactus, there's, a, there's an all-seeing eye in the cloud. It's very neo-surrealistic and narrative. And there's elements throughout it that I think people will be able to go and see it. You can check it out on my Instagram, too. And you'll be able to recognize yourself in it right away. Because everybody really is from somewhere else. And what's your Instagram? It's Ann Faith Nichols. Or at Ann Faith Nichols. That's Anne with an E. Oh, right. I forgot the E part. Yeah, that's important. It, it, it is important. So <laughs> you'll find it, everybody. Just look for it. It's fine. So that was a great piece. And you're also working in, in Palm Springs with, with the museum. What, what's your other art organization uh, work that you're doing out in Palm Springs right now? Um, well, I did a few. I did a show at the Palm Springs Art Museum like a year and a half ago. Mm -hmm and a workshop there and currently i don't have anything coming up unfortunately the museum is closed right now and everybody's out of work out here so um we're just hanging in there trying to see what's next and i'm just working on this new series of paintings going back just a second to growing up in the northwest when did you realize that you wanted to paint like did you know like this is it this is what i have to do 
um, when I saw AHA's Take On Me music video. No kidding, really? <laughs> yeah, I thought really? that was the I coolest thing that. ever. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, and I was always drawing and doing art projects because I actually spent a lot of time sick and in the hospital. I was born with my heart backwards and essentially and a pinched aorta and a few other, you know, medical technical terms that I won't bore you with, but essentially it was backwards and I had to have, um, a major heart surgery and I was sick for a lot of the time. And, um, just being an only child with my mom, you know, it was a lot of like downtime. So I just did a lot of drawing to kind of in arts and crafts stuff to keep myself busy. And I always, I mean, my mom always had like an art studio or something in the basement for me that I could like make a mess, do projects. So it's just always was a hobby for me. But the take on me music video, <laughs> I saw that and like a light bulb went off and I was like, oh my God, I want to go to art school and I want to do drawings and I want to become the art. <laughs> it was amazing for me. That is one of my favorite all time videos. And I also love the, the cover of that song by, by Cap'n Jazz. Uh, it's incredible. Kind oh. of the cover, cover of it. It's amazing. You know, you and Jacob, it's I good to have you with you. Jacob, uh, Jacob Arden McClure, your lovely husband and just uh, a wonderful human. He is a director, artist, painter, illustrator, jack of all creatives. What about you guys doing a remake of that Take On Me video? Mm. <laughs> all right. Maybe not. I don't know. But I don't how know about that? <laughs> How about instead you guys work on a film about your work? Maybe with like... Yeah, the- we're working on that right now. Yeah, that's Confluence. And I've seen the trailers and it looks incredible. So Confluence, you got a, um, a residency up in Sonoma County, right? I did. I did very close to where you are. It was awesome being close to you, by the way. Um, but I was at the Chalk Hill Artist Residency in uh, Healdsburg last summer and it was great. It was a great experience. I was there for a month and, uh, I did a really big, you know, 12 foot long painting. And then from that myself and Jacob and, um, our cinematographer, the wonderful Michael, Michael Ito Keen came out out from shout out to Michael. He came out from India to help us out. And, um, We made this incredible uh, meditative, natural art experiential movie that we're just finishing up editing right now. So we're really excited about it. And Confluence, you'll announce that all across your Instagram and Jacob's and your website. People looking out for it, right? I will. You can. Instagram. It's just at Jacob Arden McClure. You should should check that Instagram page out. I think it's actually... Arden Projects at Arden Projects. Or that one, whichever. <laughs> I'll, put it, I'll put it in the show notes. But um, <laughs> Confluence is going to be coming out soonish? Soonish, yes. Soonish. We're just finishing it up. There's a few uh, little technicalities that we're dealing with, you know, with this uh, pandemic closure, but we hope to finish it up and submit it to a few festivals that we have our eye on. and 
go from there, but we're really excited about it. And it was just so much fun. I mean, is there a better place than the Russian river in the dead of summer? You know, it's just so beautiful there. That house was crazy. That That house house was was such a weird time machine. And it was weird. (laughs) It was like being in the seventies, but also 1900 (laughs) and then the whole like not having an the I mean it was amazing but not having the internet was really weird and it was cute for like the first two weeks and then it got really hard but uh yeah it was an amazing experience and it definitely made me made us all really focus in on art making and that was really cool making art with other people is the best Yeah, you and Michael and Jacob, three great talents, definitely coming together. You said a minute ago that you were, were, and you've said this before, and it comes up thematically a lot, but born with a backwards heart. You express that a lot in your artwork over the years, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know if you still do as much. Do you you still go to that theme as much? How how is that therapeutically for you to express such a, a physical challenge through your work? Um, you know, it's funny that you asked that because my feelings on that have really evolved mm-hmm. like over the last few years. Cause I did used to use that as a symbolic de- device, you know, the art, the heart, um, as an element. And I still do. I like the symbolism of, um, symbolism of it, not just metaphorically, but you know, physically really, you know, a lot of people deal with physical challenges, but I kind of don't like doing it as much anymore just because I feel like people lately have been so emboldened just to come up to me at like a show and say, Hey, I noticed you had, you talk about this. Well, I had this surgery and then they just go on for like an hour and talk about their terrible physical ailment in the hospital. And, you know, I'm really touched that it, you know, reaches them in that way, but it kind of like brings me down and back to that place a little bit too. So I haven't been doing that as much lately because I feel like I have said it and I totally love it when people connect with that, but it really always shifts the conversation away from art and just kind of dwells on the, on ill health or surgeries you become, or you become the therapist at that point. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. And knowing you as a friend, I know you're up for it, but you can't always be up for it when we want it, when we're supposed to be at our art opening and we're supposed to be in a whole different space. Yeah. So I imagine that can just be challenging. So I like doing it and it just existing in the art, but I, it's not something that I totally want to talk about all the time. Um, but I, it is cool. You know, I've had a lot of heart surgeons actually that have bought my pieces and that's amazing to me. Really? When, like a, a helper person, not some, somebody that's necessarily just had the same physical ailment, but somebody that's, you know, really dedicated their life to the study of cardiology. Mm-hmm. That's really cool for me, you know, to see that happen. I would love to do more work with the American Heart Association actually. So Shout out to the American Heart Association. (laughs) Yeah, I'd love to do more work with some sort of a cardiology-focused association in that way. So if anybody listening has any connections, you never know, to the American Heart Association, connect them with with them and you will get a super nice club swag item of your choice. 
Got it. And I'll make you a piece of heart art. There we go. But you have to close the deal. All right. Not just an email address. It actually has to turn into a connection for Anne. All right. There we go. We're we're bribing you. (laughs) Along those lines, sort of connecting with a a company, you, you trying to remember, you were once a featured artist for Vans, right? Yeah. And your work was, it was on your shoes, your face and your work was on the, on the billboards. You know, I saw you on a billboard. What do you think of that sponsorship model for working artists? I mean, like Nike and others, they continue to do it, these partnerships, usually with bigger names, right? Bands was cool. It was doing some artists that were up and coming. Yeah. If you're trying to break into the fine art, art fine into the fine art world, do you feel like that hampers you at all? Or does the name recognition and the visibility is just so worth it help pushing you forward? Oh, that experience was amazing. And, you know, Vans has such a history of supporting independent artists, up and coming artists, skaters, you know, mm-hmm. people that are really amazingly talented and maybe just at the beginning of their careers. And, you know, that experience and uh, being an ambassador for Vans and, you know, getting in magazines and national ad campaigns. I mean, that that's exposure that I you know, could never have even paid for. It was amazing. So, um, yeah, I think that that is essential for, uh, artists, these sponsorships, you know, it's like an athlete, you know, you need those sponsorships to continue your practice, to continue to pay, to train, you know, now, did you go after so, them? What, I'm sorry. What was the question? Um, oh, that pretty much that pretty much answers it. But did you go after Vans or did they go after you? Did they find you? How did that How did that come they, about? They contacted me. Um, at the time, I believe it was right after my um, feature in Juxtapose magazine, mm-hmm. and I think I was working with Justin Gerla at the shooting gallery. And I believe he hooked that up for me. They reached out to him and he um, probably told them about me and referred them to my, to my juxtaposed feature. So shout out to Justin for that one. Thank you. <laughs> so the juxtaposed days, and it's not like yeah. gone, but there was, you were writing along with a number of other great artists through that lowbrow movement in the, in the two thousands. Um, where is that movement now? I mean, do you think, because I know that you are very into the history of art, you know, uh, you're, you're a big student of art and artists. Do you think that art historians will look back and recognize that as a legitimately important movement? Or do you think it'll sort of like, you know, get rolled into this like rolling mess of an ever updating movement that we, we sort of continue to call contemporary art? You know what I mean? I mean, what does that even mean? How long is the work that's made in the 60s and 70s going to be modern? Or, or contemporary. So, and, and where does, circling back to make my question more of a question, um, where do you think lowbrow, lowbrow fits in all of that? That's a really good question. Um, and, you know, I think that everybody that was part of that scene definitely feels like that scene has kind of evolved and moved mm-hmm. forward. So maybe it, was a thing of the past that's turned into something else now. And I know everybody that uh, was part of that is kind of like uh, trying to navigate the waters to the next step 
beyond that right now. I think that there's been a lot of, there's been so much change in the last 10 years, it feels like. And uh, yeah, it's interesting to see how um, people are doing it. I think that, of course, history will remember the movement because, you know, all of us artists, it's part of our story. So mm-hmm. we'll be sure it's in there. And I know a lot of really like good artists that have come from that movement. Um, one person that I can think of that is doing really amazingly well, and he's really, his work is so good is Eric White. Oh yeah. I love Eric White. Um, his work's amazing. And he, pulled away. I don't know if he would even say that he was ever part of that scene. I I wouldn't know. I wouldn't presume to know that. I don't know him well enough, but he pulled away from that. And all those grim gallery artists seem to be doing really well. I like that gallery. So it's kind of seems to be evolving to more of a a white cube model, like a, a more clean version of what it used to be with those folk elements. But, um, you know, I think there's still that folk style that's there, but it's certainly not the same it was, you know, in San Francisco in the art scene as it was like, you know, 10, 15 years ago. That's for sure. No, that and, LA Francisco scene was so much fun in Seattle, obviously. The whole yeah, West Coast. I mean, that was, I used to go to like three shows all the time a night. <laughs> like, yeah, that was was. My, so that's how, and then when I was really poor, and living in San Francisco, like I would go and like eat, like drink the booze and the little snacks and crackers at like the fancy shows before I went out to the good shows so I could have my little food. <laughs> <laughs> and then I would go to the good shows. But yeah, I mean, there were so many good shows. There were so were many good shows. Yeah. And, you know, I really miss that. I miss going to shows more. You know, I can't wait to do that again once this pandemic is over. And I feel so bad for all the artists that were planning their shows and didn't get to do them. Can you even and they imagine? Them online now? Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's a, a real bummer. So you you call yourself, uh, at least on your website, uh, your style of art, neo-surrealism. Mm-hmm. Let, me, let me word it again. Neo-surrealism. Yes. Um, so define that, but also in what you just said, I'm interested, people like Eric White, people like Camille Rose, just the whole gang, right? Do you see, have a lot of them sort of taken to creating their own sort of space and movement and naming their art outside of the lowbrow movement? Just, oh, you know, like I think it's been really effective for you. Neo-surrealism, as you describe it, is is very apt for your work. Um do you see that happening a lot? Um, no, I don't, I don't know what other people call their work that are my peers. I haven't really looked into that really. Um, I just know that I didn't want to be branded as a pop surrealist or, mm-hmm. um, a lowbrow artist. So I took it upon myself to really think about where the ethos of my art is coming from. And really it comes from the tenets of surrealism. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have a book here actually that I could recommend. Um, I guess it's not here, but um, basically, you know, 
I deal with uh, I, in symbols and narrative. So uh, I think new, new surrealism, which neo is what that's about. I also have called my work neo folk because I like folk mm-hmm. art and use yeah. a lot of folk stylings in, in my work. Um, contemporary folk, you know, it doesn't really matter. It's just kind of like a thing that people want you to categorize yourself so that they can describe you to stupider people. So, (laughs) Well, you've always been so gifted at, you're a rare mix in that you've been really great at marketing your work as well as creating great work. And that that is a rare mix to find. Um, This is where we bring in uh, the Academy of Art University where you went to school, do you feel like that curriculum was part of what helped you become such a a natural at marketing or were you just? Oh, actually I feel totally inept at mark, inept at marketing these days. I just feel so behind with all the, you know, the stories and the TikTok and the, you know, I don't know these little dance moves and I'm just so uncomfortable with actually social media marketing. And I'm, actually have had really deep existential conversations with myself about this recently because I need to get so much better at it. But yeah, that's just as of recently, just because I've been really reluctant to social media, but absolutely the Academy of Art was really um, integral in marketing, um, you know, in teaching marketing. But I think that the big takeaway from it was not in the teachings of marketing, but actually, um, connecting artists and you know you had a community it's all about community with artists and like having a community going to each other's shows connecting getting each other into this and that gallery or getting each other into this or that group show that's what it's all about and you know going to art school you get that community and you start to you know move within those circles and everything is connected and that's how you start getting opportunities so yeah um You've done pretty well though, over the years. You, you, you've gotten a lot of press. You've been the face of ad campaigns. You've had great representation. You've sold six figures of artwork in just a few hours. I was there, San Francisco. That show was incredible. That was a good one. <laughs> transitioning into the museum space, you've gone through a lot, and you're still. I have. Is there anything you'd say to up and coming artists, any advice that you give regularly? Because they must reach out to you, right? What, what, is, what are some of your pieces of advice you give the young, maybe high school, college, who are like, I don't know, it's kind of scary. Should I do it? Should I commit? Because you committed. This is all you've ever done. Oh, You're I know. You make your living doing this. I do. But, you know, you, you really just rattled off the highlights there. And not to be doom and gloom, but... <laughs> Pardon? This is a podcast. That's my job. I know. I thank you for that. You know, it's, I need to focus more on that and not to be all doom and gloom, but those are just the highlights. And there's a lot of pain and struggle that comes with this profession and nothing is for certain, but you know, as we've seen recently, nothing is for certain. So, you know, you might as well go for something that you really want, but it's not without a lot of self-questioning. And I think, um, an advice that, uh, piece of advice that I would give to a young person is 
don't lose that spark. Don't lose that confidence in yourself. If you can manage, because there's so many people out there that are going to say no to you, that are going to put you down, that are going to try to rain on your parade or give you less money than you deserve. So you've got to just develop a really thick skin. And I give that advice out, you know, having been through a lot of shit, you know, and even as I give that advice out, it's, I'm telling myself again, those things over and over again, you got to continue to just push through because it's not easy. It really isn't. And also I would say, keep up with the technology and just connect with as many other artists as you can and be thankful for the people that support you recognize the people that support you. Um, one thing that I heard somebody say, um, is that you're only as good as the five people you most hang out with. So, mm-hmm. you know, make sure you surround yourself with quality people that uplift you and remind you of the best version of yourself. The flip side of that is lose the people who don't bring out the better. Yeah. You cut out those friends. We have to do that from time to time. You know, call, call the people, the, the negative Nancys. Yeah. Ditch the Debbie Downers yeah. and get it all in writing <laughs> <laughs> and get the money um, up front. <laughs> mediocrity more than misery loves company. Uh, I like to say, you know, and sometimes we find ourselves surrounded and this is a little bit egotistical sounding probably, but so be it. You know, we find ourselves at different parts in our lives being surrounded by just a lot of people who are content with mediocre. They're content with, with just cruising by and they can feel a little resentful sometimes of those of us who want to reach for higher, who want Mm to rise above it. And they can kind of throw their Mm -hmm. graphics in you reflexively. You're like, I want to be I'm going to do this thing. Like, oh, come on. That's not realistic because you're challenging them as well at the same time to dream mm-hmm. bigger. And they've lost that spark. Like you said, they can bring you down. Yeah. So cut the dead weight folks. <laughs> <laughs> cut. Cut them. Cut them. People love you because they're out there. And you. Oh, and travel well, a lot. That's my. Uh, that's my greatest thing of advice ever is just find a way to travel. Wouldn't you say, Todd, you're a big traveler. Don't you think that like the best. You are the best traveler that I've met in terms of you and Jacob together are so good at budget traveling and getting rid of the excuses for traveling because it was, ah, it's too expensive. I can't do it. You Mm -hmm. guys do great. You introduced me to, um, years ago, you introduced me to the concept of, um, Home, the home exchange thing. Home exchange. <laughs> that was that weird. Was awesome. that was awesome. But it's free lodging. You know, they just yeah. get to stay in places and they have home exchange websites. Use the ones that have a membership fee though, because the yeah. free ones, yeah. So use the ones that you have to pay 50 bucks. I've done it a couple of times. Done it in oh. uh, Paris, done it somewhere else that I don't remember. Because the most expensive part usually is lodging. Yeah. And one of them, we had a car. So we drove from Paris to the Netherlands to Brussels. It was great. And we would have had to rent the car. I mean, the family picked us up from the airport. It was amazing. I would totally, we say we went to Paris for months on a home exchange. It was great. Yeah. Travel a lot. Mm -hmm. Those are the big, the big piece of advice. So 
This is the super nice challenge part. I know you have a super nice challenge ready. I'm not sure what it is. I hope it's a good one. You ready? My super nice challenge is, you know, we're in the midst of a pandemic, so we're on stay-at-home orders. But you can still go for a walk out in your neighborhood um, with a little face mask on. And um, I know everybody is Maria condoing the fuck out of their house and probably cutting some dead weight. So, uh, you know, maybe you're cleaning out your bookshelf and, you know, maybe you just have found a few books that you want to maybe think you've already read them. Maybe you want to pass them on. So my challenge is to find a cool art book. Here I have this nice vintage edition of the Prado. That's the Prado Museum in Madrid. It's a nice art book with like color plates, you know, no big deal. I think I got it on the street originally somewhere anyway. Um, So I'm going to take it and I'm going to wipe it down and I'm going to drop it off to some neighbors. I'm going to drop off some art books to some neighbors. I have this one here, Art and Fear. This is a good one about the observations and perils of art making. Everybody should read it. It's really great. So I'm going to drop this off for some neighbors. Got Dante the Inferno, which I think is very apropos for right now. Um, So yeah, that's my super nice challenge. I challenge you to um, clean out your inspirational art book space and find a cool art book and drop it off with a neighbor after you've boiled it and disinfected it. Perfect. I love it. I can do that. I can do that. I've got some books that uh, need cleaning out. So many books. And if you're part of the Super Nice Club, you could add in like a Super Nice sticker just right there for the, the what do you call that? The uh, bookmark. For the bookmark. Yeah. Okay, so if you're going to share a Super Nice art book with someone and you don't have a sticker, message the Super Nice Club and I will send you one free of charge in the mail. It might take me a minute because getting uh, around to that stuff these days uh, takes me longer than it usually does, but it will happen. Matter cool. of fact, I think you should make super nice bookmarks with a little tassel. That would be Ooh. so cute. With and a you're tassel. such a reader. You're such a reader, Todd. All right. We're going to do super nice club bookmarks with real human hair. Uh, hey, everybody's collaborate. everybody's can- doing home haircuts right now. Send me your hair. I'll, say, I'll, I'll do a lock of my hair. It'll be an artist edition, super nice book club bookmark with a lock of Anne Faith Nichols hair. Not creepy and at all. Not creepy Dave at Dexter, all. Dave Dexter, if you're listening to this, um, oh my this God. is right here. Dave cannot. Dave cannot. Dave's going to send his pubes. And I'll send my oh. hair. <laughs> I wish Dave Dexter had a website. His art is amazing. Oh, well. Dave Dexter is, I look at his art and I think, wow, I might just give up today. <laughs> He's a great artist. Check out Dave Dexter's art somehow, some way. Find him. He's got a little Instagram account, but it doesn't do anything justice. Um, I really like it, like it when Dave Dexter paints bologna and hot dog meat. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll <laughs> you know when he does like cold cuts, the painting, oh, yeah. like, you know, cold yeah. cuts. Yeah, I like I that. Yeah. Um, do you have a question for me, Ann? Yes, Todd Brilliant. Okay. okay. My question for you is: 
Why do you insist on calling San Francisco Frisco? (laughs) Everybody hates it when you do that. And I think that's why. So I want to know the backstory. Okay, backstory is because... I never knew that it was an insult. I've lived around San Francisco within three hours until the last six months, my whole life. Uh, and when I found it, people really, it really bothered people. It made me really curious. Like, why would a name, why would Frisco just really bother you? So I dug into it. I took a look around and I learned that Frisco was the sort of shorthand that the Beats used, Jack Kerouac, all those guys. And the dock workers, and it goes back into the 1800s, and it was sort of the legit way of saying San Francisco to the locals. Um, over the years, uh, a nerdy little nebbish old dude named Herb Kane came out and said, "Oh, Frisco's not what you use," you know, and, and he really bashed on it. And so then a lot of people said it's not okay. What they don't realize is that Herb Kane, about five years before he died did the same research and came to realize that Frisco was an acceptable um, reference for San Francisco and kids growing up there now in the East Bay and San Francisco, the skater kids, there's a Frisco uh, skate shop. They call it Frisco. Oh, resurgence. Because it's super legit. And usually the people who, who don't, who get upset by it, they're either not locals or they're new locals or they're locals who just haven't done any local history. Mm. And so like tweaking their noses a little bit. I like San Francisco. Frisco is faster to say. I am happy to compromise with San Francisco. You can call LA anything and the locals don't get upset. I think San Franciscans need to just not have an inferiority complex anymore and compare themselves to other cities like LA or Seattle or New York because you can't compare. San Francisco is no comparison. any tiny city it's not a global city like in la or new york and it doesn't have oh to be, it's you know? still I mean, a world-class city it's definitely a world-class city but it's not <laughs> people right so it doesn't have the same things it doesn't have the same scenes and it doesn't need to i think that san francisco will be 10 times more beautiful when it just is happy for what it is you know you lived there and you lived in la and you know that whenever you're up in the North Bay or San Francisco and you say, hey, I'm going to L.A. or I'm going to move to L.A., people often go, oh. Mm, Yeah. And then when you're in L.A. and you say, hey, uh, I'm from San Francisco, people usually go, amazing. I love it up there. Yeah. You know, that's true. I wish it was both ways. Um, San Francisco, you're beautiful. You can be even more beautiful if you want to be. So, you know, call yourself Frisco. And it'll all change overnight. You'll have amazing galleries once again. You'll have artists. You'll have good, amazing graffiti on the streets. You'll have uh, affordable places to eat and live. You'll have um, a beautiful clothing on people, you know, not just Patagonias and sweat. <laughs> it'll all change if you just call yourself call Frisco. Frisco. That's hella good, good history, that. by the way. <laughs> Oh, Q, Q hate mail, Friskins. It's okay, though. I love you. <laughs> so does that answer your question? 
Yes, that actually is a shockingly good answer. I was prepared to be disappointed with a very opinionated and, you know, self-fulfilling answer. But that is actually, as I said, hella good history. So thank you for that. Well, I hope to see you there or here in L.A. Seriously, I'm, I'm so proud to call you friend and lucky enough to own a couple of your pieces. You do Not own some pieces. The first piece that I put up in this place was yours. I love uh, that. And Jacob, I'm lucky enough to have some of Jacob's work. It's been just a real treat to be able to talk with you. I wish you both, I don't know, I just hope that you both have a flourishing of of productivity and creativity right now. And that, you know, when you come out of this pandemic, that you guys are ready to completely kick ass and warp the art world to your will. That sounds great. Make it our bitch. (laughs) Exactly. We miss you, Todd. We can't wait to come visit you in LA and then also in wino country too. All right, guys. I'll talk to you soon. Adios. Stay safe. Stay home. So there you have it, folks. A super nice conversation with super nice and Faith Nichols. It's time for super nice takeaways. I've got a couple. First one is, if you really want to make it as an artist, you've got to put the work in and you can't expect to just have someone notice it. You have to push it, push it hard, and be relentlessly confident in your ability. Which leads to number two. Step away hard and fast from anyone who doesn't believe in your talent, or, or at least in your ability to put in the work to become talented. Maybe, maybe you're a terrible songwriter or, or woodworker or, or bookkeeper, but that's okay if you're hell-bent on getting better. And if anyone around you doesn't believe in you, cut bait. It's hard but that's the only way to fly. Okay, so don't forget to subscribe to Nice Work wherever you get your podcast, and most definitely, leave a review. We would love to hear from you, so message us on Facebook, Instagram, plain old email Todd, T-O-D, 1-D, at superniceclub.com, or call me directly via the Nice Line at 707-500-1580. And to be a member of the Super Nice Club, all you have to do is follow us on Instagram or Facebook. None of that TikTok, just, just the basics. And if you want to represent with some super sweet, nice street fashion, head over to superniceclub.com and use discount code SUPERNICEAN, there's an E on the end of AN, for 15% off. All right? Stay nice, everyone. Appreciate you. A lot.